by the time this is done. So if you've taken a box, please remember, fill it up, bring it back. This is a, a, a cool ministry that we get an opportunity to be a part of. Okay, so good morning. Good to see you all. I'm going to begin talking to you today about something that I'm a very big fan of. That is sleep. I love some sleep. I'm a very deep sleeper. I, when I get in the bed, I pull the covers up over my head and I'm out. I'm down for the count. I mean, a freight train could run through my bedroom and I would not wake up. I mean, I'm that committed to my sleep. Um, and, and, and sleep is something that's good for us, right? Uh, and it's something that, 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 depending on how your day's been, you're looking forward to that, that chance. When I just get to crawl in my bed, in my comfy, I got my big comforter, I got my quilt. It's something we, we really look forward to. My family likes to tease me because on Sundays, I, I really like my Sunday afternoon naps. And so we'll be sometimes sitting at lunch, and, and, and I'll start kind of getting still and quiet, and my speech will kind of get slurred. I'm not speaking as clearly as I am. And they joke around. They say, oh, he's already halfway into his nap. And it's probably about the truth. I'm looking forward to it, right? And if someone reminds me, oh, we've got to stop by the store on the way home, I'm upset because I was, I was counting on that nap, right? And, and uh, we all have our, our ways that we like to sleep and the ways we like to rest. Some of us like to sleep with, with uh, 87 pillows surrounding us. Uh, others of us, we want, we want all the blankets that we can have. Some of us like to sleep with big, uh, comfy, soft pajamas on. And others of us like to sleep in just in our skivvies, you know? We all have our things that make us comfortable and they help us get into that place where we can just relax, Right? Some of us have a favorite napping chair, right, that, that's in the living room, and you go and you sit down, and, and, and this is my chair, and I'm going to rest and relax in this place. Rest is a good thing. Our bodies need it. If you go too long without it, your body's going to let you know you need to go to sleep, right? But as with anything, too much rest can cause problems just as much as not enough is. You've got to find the balance. Um, a few years ago, uh, when I was in high school, I, had, uh, I, I was run over by a minivan, and there broken some bones in my foot, and so I had to wear a cast for a little while, uh, for several weeks. And uh, one of the things that really just blew my mind was when it finally came time for them to cut the cast off, we took the cast off, and, and looking at my legs, you could definitely see that one of those legs had, had atrophied during that time. I wasn't using it as much. So whereas I had my one normal-looking leg, which, you know, they're both shockingly white no matter what. That's why I don't wear shorts up here. But, but one was even whiter, if that's possible. You know, it, it was... It was it was pale, and, and even the hair on it had like gotten thin and, and, and frail, and, and, and one leg had, had shrunk, and so you could look at my legs, and, and one calf was normal size, and the other one had shrunk up because it wasn't being used enough. And, and our bodies aren't designed for too much rest. We're not designed to sit still for too long. You look at people in nursing homes, they'll actually develop sores on their bodies from laying in the bed too much. And so that's why uh, the, their nurses and caregivers are taught to, to move them and rotate them so that they don't develop this. Our body isn't made to sit still and, and not move for too long. And the other thing that happens is if we rest too much, our responsibilities go neglected. You know, anybody ever known somebody uh, where you're on a job site and, and you know, Obviously, you have to take some breaks every now and then, but then it's, it's really hard to get them moving again. And it's like, listen, buddy, if you don't get up and, and jump in here with us, we're never going to get done on this thing. 
So we have to make sure that we're staying active, that we are uh, applying ourselves to what we need to do, even though rest is a good thing. There's a time for rest, but there's a time for the rest to be over. So my message for you today is just this. It's wake up. Let's get with it. We're going to look in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. Now, I'm using a translation that's a little bit different from what we used when I was growing up. This is the Christian Standard Version. Uh, Each year, I like to pick a different version and use it. This one's a very modern translation. So you might hear some words in there that you're like, I don't remember that being in the Bible. But but just, just... I like to do this because it gives me a little bit different perspective. I get a fresh look at everything. So let's read verses 30 through 34. It says, I went by the field of a slacker and by the vineyard of one lacking sense. Thistles had come up everywhere. Weeds covered the ground and the stone wall was ruined. I saw and took it to heart. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, A little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come like a robber, and your need like a bandit. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and to hear from you. Lord, we look to your word for wisdom. We look to your word for discernment. Lord, like a spiritual mirror, hold it up to us and and, and let us see ourselves in, in the light of your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take what we hear today and apply it to our lives so that we can be the people that you've called us to be. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We've all had times where we've been doing well in life, right? Uh, just today, someone was asking me, how's your life going? And, and, and I tried to evolve the, avoid the default answer of, oh, well, I'm busy, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, because that's not always true. But there's, there's a time when we have to say, you know, Things were firing on all cylinders. Things were going well at one point, but now maybe I'm not doing as well as I was at one point. I think we've all been there because it's hard to do the same thing and just apply yourself 100% all the time, right? It's hard. You know, you have to, there will be a surge of activity and then you'll back off. For a long time, people have been telling us we need to have balance in our life. We should have work and family life balance. But that's not always true. There will be times in your life when when your family responsibilities will require more from you than your job. And then on the flip side, there will be times when, I mean, anybody here who's ever worked at UPS, you know that there's the peak season, right? During peak season, you just know, I'm going to have to work some extra hours. We're going to have to put in some double time here. If you, if you run a, a lawn service, you know that during, there, there are times of the year where it's like, hey, I've just got to knuckle down because i got a lot of yards to cut. And, and you're not cutting yards in, in December. You're not cutting yards in January. You're cutting yards when, when the grass is long. And these things, they constantly have to be addressed. You know, um, one of the things that, that uh, one of the chores that we have to deal with with Ben a, a lot of times is, is cutting the grass. He doesn't want to cut the grass at our house. He's like, what's the point? I'm just going to have to go back out and do it again next week. Well, it's true. You know, the grass doesn't quit growing. And if it's been one of those weeks where there's a lot of rain, it might have grown more than usual. But the thing is, there are things in our lives that, that they don't stop, Right. It doesn't end. You can't just go to the grocery store one time and be done for life, right? You, you go, you buy your groceries. When you run out, you have to go get some more. It, uh, as far as uh, working out, it sure would be nice if I could go down to the gym one time and, and lift some weights and then, okay, I'm done. I never have to go lift weights again. I've already done that. I can check that off my list. That'd be nice, right? 
But that's not how it works. It's something that you have to apply yourself to uh, continually. So what happens is we are not real consistent people, right? Let's just let's think about that. We can, we can think about many, many things in our life where we, we were determined, I'm going to do well on this. I'm going to work hard on this. I'm going to, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to uh, grow it into a multi-million dollar empire. Or we might say, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Or, or we're going to say, uh, whatever else. I mean, there's a million things that we can think of, but we don't stick with it. Well, um, the same thing happens in our spiritual life as well. We will often say, God, I'm going to do better. God, I'm going to turn a new page. I'm going to do something different than I was before because I know that this old way was not pleasing to you. I know that this old way of me doing things was not getting me where I need to be. And so we make this commitment, God, I'm going to do better. I'm sorry. I repent. But then we go back to that same old stuff over and over again. And it's, it's not necessarily a moral failing. It doesn't mean that you're some terrible person. It just means you're, you're human, and, and we can't go 100% all the time. But what that means is that we have to periodically give ourselves a checkup, right? That means every now and then we need to pull over to the side of the road, and we need to check our spiritual dipstick, look and make sure, is there enough oil in the engine? Or we need to say, is, is, do, are there, is there enough air in my tires? Those sorts of things. You don't just do something one time, and then that's it. When it comes to our walk with Christ, it's a daily thing. And you got to every now and then step back and take a check. If you don't, you'll find yourself in a place of spiritual neglect. You'll find yourself in a place where, like this scripture says, there's weeds and thistles everywhere. Your wall's broken down. And, and so this spiritual neglect, there's, there's different causes for it. Number one is idleness. Idleness is, is just not being a, or not applying ourselves to doing the things that we know we need to be doing, right? When I was a kid growing up, uh, we would go to youth camp, and, and at, at Illinois Youth Camp, we had one rule, and, and that one rule kind of covered everything. I might have told you about this before, but it, our rule was be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it. If you followed that one rule, you, you made it through youth camp and you didn't get in trouble. You didn't have to get sent down to the director. Your, uh, your, your camp counselor didn't have to get on to you. If you be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it. And anytime someone got out of line, anytime there was an issue at camp, it was because someone wasn't following that rule. And so we have to look at ourselves and we have to sometimes say, hey, listen, Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I doing it when I'm supposed to be doing it? Right? We like to push things off. We like to procrastinate. I mean, there's a lot of things that I like to put on my to-do list, and it makes me feel good because I've got it on my to-do list, and it's like, okay, I'm going to knock that out today, but I don't do it today. And I don't even do it tomorrow or next week, right? There are some things that, that, that they kind of like, they set up shop on my to-do list. They stay, you know? Why? Because I don't want to do it. It's idleness. It's idleness. And when you're not where you're supposed to be and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you get yourself in a world of hurt. 2 Samuel chapter 11 is probably the best example I know of this. It's David on the rooftop of his palace, looks out, he sees Bathsheba. He gets himself in trouble, right? He, he sees himself a woman that he wants and it's not his wife. I mean, he had plenty of wives, but hey, I could use one more, right? And that one over there looks good. But see, the whole thing is, David shouldn't have even been there in the first place. It said, this is the springtime. This is when the kings go out into, into, into battle with their armies, 
right? He should never have even been in Jerusalem. He shouldn't have been hanging out on a rooftop. His job as the king was to be leading the armies of Israel in defeating their enemies. If he'd have been where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing, when he was supposed to be doing it, he'd have never got himself in all the trouble that he got in. Idleness. Think about it. When when a car engine is idling, it's spinning, it's turning. There's a whole lot of activity going on, right? The valves are firing, the pistons are moving up and down. You know, but nothing is happening. The car isn't the, the 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 power that's being generated isn't pushing the car forward. And so when we find ourselves in a position where we're just idling, man, it feels like we're getting a lot done. I'm busy all the time. I never have a moment to sit down and drink a a cup of sweet tea or whatever it is that we want to do when we relax. We feel like we're real busy, but we're not applying that power. We're not applying that activity to something that will actually move us further down the road. So idleness is one of the causes of spiritual neglect. Another thing is, is ignorance, just willful ignorance. And, and I'm not trying to be insulting here, but there are times when we say, I don't want to know, right? There, there are times when we just say, I don't even want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. I, I, imagine you're, you're in your car. You're driving down the road, and you start hearing a funny noise. You hear a clunk. You hear, you hear like some, some pings or some tings or something that shouldn't be there, right? And you start hearing that noise, and, and you're like, ooh, what's that? I don't know. It makes me kind of nervous. And then you drive a little bit further down the road, and then you start getting that little exclamation point flashing at you from, from the, the dashboard. And it's saying, check engine, check engine, check engine. And you're thinking, ooh, that does not sound good, right? Well, the answer to that is not to put a piece of tape over the light and turn the radio up louder. That's not going to fix the problem, right? You're treating symptoms. You're not treating the issue, right? Uh, just last week, Ben had the flu, and they were prescribing all sorts of medications to him. And, and, his, and, and I was confused. I said, this is the flu. It's a virus. There's nothing that will kill the virus. All you're doing is just treating the symptoms, right? And so, you know, it's not actually dealing with the problem. And, and we do the same thing in our lives. Sometimes we get to a place, and it's like, I know something's off. I know something's not right. I know I need to address this, but I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to deal with it. It's too much. I've got too much else on my plate. I don't have time to deal with this problem area in my life. But the problem that we run into is that when we ignore an issue and we let it go and we let it go and we let it go, you end up with more problems than if you just dealt with it to begin with. You know, when, when we start hearing some things, you know, some rumblings and, and we start thinking, you know, well, you, something's off between me and my wife. You know, we're not getting along like we used to be. What, what's going on here? So I could do the typical man thing and just be like, eh, I'll just uh, let it blow over. Yeah, it'll, it'll go away. No, you need to go and you need to say, hey, what's going on here? Did, it, did I do something to upset you? You know, or, or am I doing something that, that's uh, contributing to this tension or whatever? The same thing with, uh, with our job. Sometimes you're at work and, and, and it's like your boss is, isn't real happy or whatever. And, and so you need to come and you need to say, what, what do I need to do to fix that kind of thing? So ignorance, we, 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 we say we'd rather not deal with it. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you don't deal with an issue, then eventually you're going to come to a place where you have to, Right? You can say, I don't want to pay my taxes. Well, you might get away with that for a year or two, but eventually the IRS is going to figure out, hey, we haven't gotten any money in a couple years, and then they're going to come, and they're going to knock on your door, and they're going to seize your bank account, and then you're going to have to deal with it at that point. 
So we can't just ignore things and hope that they'll go away. The third thing that will cause spiritual neglect is indifference. Sometimes we think, you know what? I've done my part. I've already, I've already done. I've served. I've done the things that I'm supposed to do. This is not my problem anymore. We'll think, let the professionals deal with it. Or, or we, we want to take responsibility, something that we should do, and we, should, we push it off on somebody else. How many of you guys know somebody who, over time, maybe at one time they were, they were on fire for God. They were committed. They were active. They were in church all the time. They were serving. They were giving. They were a part, right? But then for whatever reason, they've grown cold. They're not committed like they used to be. They're not as consistent in their attendance, or they're not giving and supporting uh, stuff that we do, ministry opportunities and those sorts of things like they used to be doing. We call those people in in church terms, we call them inactive church members. And that's one of those things that's always driven me nuts because just about any church of God you go into, you you can say, let me see your church membership role. And they might be running 50 people on Sunday morning, but they got 400 people on that membership role. That's sad. That is sad. And so to me, uh, I'm, I'm one of those people where I always want to say, well, just take them off the roll. If they're not here, if they're not being a member, then, then take them off the roll. Uh, but, but the thing is, is we can't, we can't let ourselves fall into that place. We can't think that just because I was committed to God and just because I was given, just because I was serving five years ago, that still applies today. No, it's not a one and done. All right. Um, and what happens is, is, is people who get disconnected, people who are no longer uh, committed to, to what God's trying to do, um, their prayer muscles get weak. If you haven't prayed in a while, I mean, it's just talking to God, but anybody here ever tried to reconnect with a friend that you haven't spoken to in a few years? And maybe at one time you guys were really close. It was like, man, we're, we're two peas in a pod. We got all sorts of things in common. But for whatever reason, your life drifts apart. One of you moves away. And then, then you think, well, I need to reach out. I need to contact them again. And so then when you call them, it's just like, it's, it's kind of awkward, Right? Because you don't have those things in common anymore. And, and it's the same way with God. When, we, when we're praying, we're just talking to God. And when we have gotten out of the habit, our prayer muscles begin to atrophy, just like my calf did. All right? Um, if we're not reading the Word, all right? Our, the Word is our sword. That's what the Bible teaches us. This is our sword of the Spirit. This is how we win our spiritual battles. And yet, if you're not reading your Bible consistently, you get rusty. You get weak. You say, oh, oh, what's that scripture again? I can't remember. I know that it applies perfectly to this situation, but you know, I haven't read my Bible in three weeks, and so I'm, I'm a little rusty, right? And that happens. Um, our, their character becomes vulnerable, right? When we're committed and we're in a community of like believers, man, we are firing on all cylinders. We have people supporting us. When we have those weak moments, then, then we're able to address those things, um, Anybody here who, who's ever been on a diet before, it's hard to do when you're the only one, right? So that's why we all, when we go get in our friend, and we're like, hey, I'm trying this new diet. You do it with me. Let's keep each other accountable. And that works, right? Because when you see that pie and it looks good, then you got your friend over there saying, you don't need that pie. You don't need that pie. And then the next week, you're telling them, you don't need that ice cream. And, you know? and so the two of you together work together, and you keep each other strong. But when we get ourselves disconnected from our church family, then we, we don't have someone standing there next to us saying, hey, you don't need to talk to that person that way. Hey, you don't need to be posting those things on Facebook. 
You know, we need someone that will help us stay committed and stay strong. And then when we get in a, in a state of spiritual neglect, we also, we stop producing fruit. I mean, we should be growing the fruit of a spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things should just be bubbling out of you. And yet too many times we find ourselves in a place where that's not happening. You know, we're not producing the fruit. Our lives are not producing the fruit that God has designed for them to do. Why? Because we've allowed ourselves to get in this place of spiritual neglect. There's a law of thermodynamics It's called entropy. And that is a, that's a term that they use that, that states basically that when you have a system, right, and you've got matter in that system, and one part of that system is hotter than another, the heat will diffuse, the heat will spread out. You can see it in a fire. You can see, so if you've got a fire pit in your backyard and you load it up with all kinds of good wood, and if you're a sissy, you sprinkle some uh, lighter fluid on it too, right? And, and you light that thing up, and man, it gets hot and it's burning, and there's that hot spot in the middle. But what happens as that fire burns? Eventually, the fire dies down, the fuel gets burned up, and it all turns down into a flat bed of hot coals, and the heat is just kind of evenly distributed. You're not getting the light, you're not getting the, the, the radiating heat coming off of it anymore. We can do that in our lives as well. At one time we were on fire for God, but eventually that fuel burns down. So what do you have to do? You got to keep poking that fire. You got to keep stirring things up. You keep adding fuel to it. Otherwise, entropy is a law that applies to everybody and everything. And it applies to us as Christians as well. If we don't continually stoke the fire. One thing that happens sometimes is we feel like, you know what? I did my part. I, I, I served. I, I, I was a Sunday school teacher for 20 years. It's somebody else's turn now. Well, can I tell you something? There's no such thing as retirement from the Great Commission. You know, God doesn't say, uh, go and, and share the gospel until you're 55 or 62 or whatever it is that the, the government decides is the retirement age, and then you just get to quit from, from then. No, you don't get to do that. We don't get to say, well, I signed up, you know, I signed up to work uh, and, and I was a youth leader for, for two whole years, but now I'm done. I don't ever have to do that again. No, we constantly have to be sharing the gospel. We constantly have to be working for God because if we don't, we find ourselves in a place of spiritual neglect. So those are some of the causes of spiritual neglect, idleness, ignorance, and indifference. Now, what are some of the effects? What happens when we allow ourselves to get into this place? Well, number one, there's a loss of, of respect and a loss of reputation. Look at the scripture. It says, I went by the field of a slacker and by the vineyard of one lacking sense. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I don't want people saying that about me. I don't want to be called a slacker. I don't want people looking at me saying, saying what a dummy. Why doesn't he take care of his business, right? Farmers and herdsmen in that day, they were very well respected. Why? They produced the food, Right? They, they didn't have a Kroger that they could run down the street to. You know, if you were the farmer for your community and you didn't work hard that year, the people around you, they didn't eat. It was a bad time if the farmer didn't do his job. And yet, this person who, they, was, they were a farmer, they, were, they maintained a vineyard. They didn't do it. And so therefore, there was a loss of respect. People will, they, they watch us. They see what we're doing. They, they want to see, do our actions match our words? If we say I'm a Christian, show me you're a Christian, right? Sometimes showing's better than saying. So 
We have to make sure that when we don't fall into a place of spiritual neglect, we don't want people to lose their respect for us. We don't, people want, we don't want people to lose their respect for Christianity. There's a lot of people I see get up on TV and they say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm Reverend so-and-so, I'm Bishop uh, Hoo-Ha, you know, and, and I think, man, I wish they would not say that they were a Christian because that's embarrassing what they just said. What's coming out of them isn't the love of God. That is not the love of God. And yet, because they say, I'm a preacher, they've painted everybody in a bad light. The other thing that happens is we start producing the wrong crops, right? We talked about how we're supposed to be producing that fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, all of that. Instead, we start producing some other things. We start producing those weeds and those thistles. And I don't know about you, but if I have a garden, I want to be pulling vegetables out of that garden. I want to be pulling some okra out that we can fry up, you know? I want to be pulling out some cucumbers that we can pickle up and, and make some sandwiches with and, 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 and all those kinds of things. I don't want to be producing weeds. The only thing they're good for is throwing in the fire. There's plenty of firewood. I don't want to burn what I'm growing. I want to make sure that the things that are being produced in my life are not only things that are useful, they help me, they help the people around me, and they glorify God. Scripture says that when we're producing fruit, when we, are, uh, when we are creating a harvest, then God is glorified. And I want to be careful that everything that comes out of my mouth is something that glorifies God. The next thing that happens when we find ourselves in a place of spiritual neglect is that our walls begin to crumble. Why do you build a wall in the first place? You build a wall because you have something you want to protect. Maybe it's just a privacy fence. You're trying to protect your privacy. Maybe you're building a rabbit fence around your garden because you want to keep the rabbits out. You know, whatever reason we build a fence for, that fence is there to create a boundary, to create a place that I can protect. You know, back in the day, they would build big old forts and fortifications. A few, uh, it's been a few months ago now, we were over in Frankfurt and we saw where they had fortified one of the hilltops during the Civil War. And they, they took this hilltop and they just, they built like fences around it and they created places where they could protect this area. And so a very small group of men was able to hold off a very large group of raiders. Why? Because they had a fortification, they had something that they could guard. But you go back and what do you see now? Are those fences still there? Nope. The trenches are down. They had built up big earthen mounds, and all those mounds have begun to sink down into the ground. They haven't been maintained, and so what's happened? You couldn't hold that place like you could back then. It's no longer serving its purpose of a fortification. And the thing about a wall is it doesn't all come down at once, right? It crumbles. Anybody ever seen an old stone wall, right? And you could see that at one point somebody had built that wall. Somebody put a lot of work into building that wall. And yet over time... The elements, um, you know, critters, people come by, and, and those walls that had once been tall and secure and safe, no longer are they doing what they were designed to do. When we don't have our boundaries in place, when we don't have those places where we're saying, listen, I'll go this far, but I'm not going to go a step further, that is over the line, you know, uh, then, then we find ourselves in a place where we're compromised. We're no longer safe from attack. You know, it's, uh, it's crazy, all, all of these things that people that are getting themselves in trouble over things that they said and they did years and years ago in the past. And it's like, you know, if, if they would have created some boundaries where they said, I'm not going to go to this place, then they would have had nothing to be afraid of. And so when we are, find ourselves in a place of spiritual neglect, then our walls have crumbled and, and we don't have anything to protect us. 
The next thing that happens is rather than contributing to society, we actually become a, a, a negative. We become a drain on society. It talks about how the farmer, because of his neglect of, of his vineyard, he's now become a place where he's vulnerable to the thief. He's vulnerable to poverty and to need. And, and sometimes we all find ourselves in a place where we have some needs. We find ourselves in a place where we need some assistance. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But our goal in life should be to produce something that's of benefit to the people around us. Our goal in life is, should be, hey, I want to grow crops not just my, for my family, but I want to have enough left over that I can hand some out or I can help somebody who needs something. You know, I'm piling up cash over here, not because I want it all for me. I don't get to take it to heaven anyway. Why am I piling up this cash? Why? Because I want to bless others with it. We want to become, uh, we, we want to create things with our effort. And, and so we don't want to become a drain of society. And finally, we don't want to be a, a harmful influence on others. That's, that's something else that happens when we find ourselves in that case of spiritual neglect. Our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, everyone around us, when we don't have our ducks in a row and we're not doing the things that we know God's called us to do, we're not the only ones that suffer. We like to think we are, but it affects the people around us. Just think about home values. If you live in a neighborhood and, and there's no homeowners association and your neighbor decides, I'm done, I'm not cutting the grass anymore, that's going to affect your home value, right? It affects the home values of everyone up and down the street. And, and so what happens if you've got that homeowners association, they start getting the snarky letters on their door that says, hey, you better cut your grass, right? And, and so that's what we do. We want people to keep up with their stuff. Why? Because when they don't keep up their stuff, it affects the rest of us. On the flip side of that is when we do take care of our things, when we do make our, take care of our responsibilities, then it has a positive influence on others. Just think about, you know, the last time you were uh, riding down the road maybe and you had some music on in the background and you might not have even been paying attention to it. It's just noise for the road, right? But take that same song and that same artist and let's put you down on the front row of their concert. It's, it's going to be a different feeling, isn't it? And why is that? It's because the people around you are going to be crazy. When you're in a room full of people and, and, and they're all hyped and they're excited and they're, they're on fire about something, it's easy to get caught up in it. A few weeks ago, we went to the Chicago Bears game. Elizabeth's not even really a Chicago Bears fan, but man, she said there was something about the crowd being in that atmosphere where everybody's cheering and jumping up and down and high-fiving each other. She said, that was cool, right? And we've all had those kinds of experiences. And so when we're doing things to know, that we know we're supposed to be doing, when we're firing on all cylinders, when we're a, a beacon of light in a dark world, then that spreads and infects others. So when, when, when we find ourselves in a place of spiritual neglect, there's a lot of things, a lot of complications that arise. So what's the cure, right? The cure is that sometimes we just need to shake ourselves and say, let's start over. Let's wake up. Let's not rest any longer. The time for resting is over. How many of you guys have ever had a day when you, maybe you were physically awake, right? Your feet are moving. You're driving to work, right? But you're not mentally awake yet. I haven't had my third cup of coffee. Don't talk to me yet, right? And so there are times when we might be physically awake, but we're not mentally there. And the same thing happens to us. We might be physically awake, we might be mentally awake, but we're not spiritually awake to the realities of what's going on around us. And so we have to find ourselves and, and wake ourselves up. 
Scripture, is, it, it tries to be like a, 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 an alarm clock for us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, So then let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. There's God saying, wake up. It's time. Ephesians 5, 14 and 15 says, Get up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Romans 13, 11 says, besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. We got to wake up, people. We can't sit on the laurels of 20 years ago. We can't sit on the laurels of five years ago. We can't sit on the laurels of last week. We got to continually stay awake, stay on top of the things that God has called you to do. And God gives us each a responsibility. He does. He doesn't. He puts you in your family, and we all serve a role in our family. Maybe we're the provider. Maybe we're the protector. Maybe we're the nurturer. But if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it, and your family suffers. God puts you in this church, and he gave you a role. And if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. The, the church is going to suffer. So we have to wake up. We live in a time when our homes are being destroyed. Our children are caught up in rebellion. And, and, and our extended families are at each other's throats. And we're asleep. We're asleep at the wheel. Our communities are crumbling and divided. Our neighbors are hurting and in pain. Our friends are suffering and dying without hope. And we're asleep. Civility's declining. People are organizing themselves into tribes. And they're, you know, we're against the enemy. You know, whether or not you're a Democrat or a Republican or, or rich or poor, they, 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 they draw these dividing lines, men and women, and they say, it's the us against them. And we're asleep. Our faith is mocked. Jesus is rejected. God is blasphemed. And we're asleep. And even inside the church, we've got leaders that aren't leading. We've got servants that aren't serving. We've got worshipers that aren't worshiping. We're asleep. And it's time to wake up. The problem is not society. Big air, co- air quotes. You know, it's because society, society. The problem is not the government. It's not the government's problem to fix. The problem isn't even the devil. It's not the devil. He's powerless. The problem is us. The problem is me. The problem is you. We got to wake up. We got to see it. Just like Solomon said, Solomon walked by the vineyard. He said, I saw it and I took notice. I I paid attention and I learned from it. We've got to take a step back sometimes and look at ourselves, look at our garden and see where are we at? Recently, I heard a pastor, he, he spent some, uh, an extended period of time on the mission field. He had been pastoring here in America. He went over there and he worked overseas and then he came back and he said, one of the things that blew me away was that you don't have nominal Christians in other parts of the world. And, and he said, I, I couldn't figure it out. Why? You know, you don't have these people who aren't on fire for God. He said, when you walk in the door, you know, these are some Jesus loving people. They're rocking this joint. He said, why is it like that over there? But it's not that way in America. And one of the pastors pointed out, he said, listen, there's no nominal Christians here because we had to sacrifice everything when we became a believer. 
Some of us lost our families, were disowned. Some of us lost our jobs. Some of us were taken out in the street and beaten. You don't make that kind of decision unless you're certain. You don't say I'm a follower of Christ unless you are sold out. And unfortunately, we live in a society where we don't have that kind of pressure. And so it's easy for us to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I believe in God. Right? You poll, you poll Americans and there's still a majority of them that will say, we're Christians. But they're not in church on Sunday. They're not serving. They're not giving. They're not producing fruit. They're nominal Christians. If the musicians want to come on up, we're, we're getting to a place where we can kind of close. We have things in our lives that are like morning routines. They wake us up, right? Some of us have a certain way we do things. You wake up, you get out of bed, you stumble into the kitchen, you hit go on the coffee pot, you go over, you let the dog out, you, you take care of the cat, you do all those things, you had those morning routines, you, you can do them on autopilot, right? And, and we have to do the same thing. Those morning routines, they, they get us so that we're moving in the right direction. They get us so that we're out the door on time so that we can get to work or to school or to make sure that our kids are on the school bus or whatever it is that we're doing. Those morning routines, they're built in, they're habitual, right? And we have to do the same thing. We have to find spiritual routines that will wake us up to the spiritual realities around us and get us moving not in the right direction, but in God's direction. Because every day God has a plan for me. God has a plan for you. God had a plan for October 14th, whatever this day is, for you. Who are you going to talk to? Who are you going to invest in? Who are you going to bless? You know, God has a plan for each and every one of us. So we need to make sure, God, when I walk out this door, I want to be awake. I want to have my eyes open to see where I can be a benefit to the people around me. We need somebody who can come and help us stoke the fire, get around other believers. It's easier. It's easier when you've got someone to walk on that journey with you. And so we have to create routines. We need to make sure that we're in church consistently, not just on Christmas and Easter, not once a month. We need to be here. We need to give. We need to find, we need to find opportunities. And I'm not saying this is the only way, but this is an opportunity for you to bless somebody. Bless them. And it's easier to do when you've got a group of people. We've got a fall festival coming up. We've already got people that don't even attend church that are contacting us saying, when's your fall festival? Why? Because they've come in the past and they felt the love. They enjoyed it. But that doesn't happen without some work. Guys, we, we have to stay on top of things. When we look back at the scripture, the guy had a vineyard. Vineyards don't spring up from nothing. He had done some work at one point. He'd built a wall. He'd planted the vines. He'd tended them. But then for whatever reason, he let it fall away. So we have to make sure that we don't fall into the same thing, spiritual neglect. One of the things we're going to do today is we're going to, we're going to end with communion. Communion is a touchstone. It's, it's something that we can use. It's, part of, it's one of those routines that can help us make sure that we're staying spiritually awake. Why? Communion is very important. It reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ. This is the body that was broken for me. This is the blood of the new covenant. This is why I'm a Christian. Not because I like the music. Not because I feel good when I put some money in the plate. 
I'm a Christian because Christ died for me. Christ provided salvation for me. Christ saved me from an eternity of, of hell and darkness and separation from God and brought me back into God's light, into a right relationship where I will now get to spend eternity in glory. If that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. It's hard when you've been sitting still to get moving again. There have been times when you went hard. You were pushing. You were doing those things that you know you needed to do. But then you said, I need a break. And we sat down. But what happens? Our, our bones begin to settle. Our muscles stiffen up. And when you first get back up, and I'm feeling this more and more with every year, when you stand up out of that chair, there's some creaks and pops that didn't used to be there. I'm stiff and I'm sore. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd never sat down in the first place. This hurts. Our bodies aren't designed to just sit. God didn't design us to be bumps. He gave us hands and feet because we're supposed to move around and use them. He could have made us rocks, but he didn't. And so we have to make sure that we are doing those things that we need to do. Right now, if the ushers would come forward, we're going to get ready to take this communion together. I, I referred to communion as a touchstone.